Welcome to VCR, Vintage Cinema Rewind, bringing old movies to new viewers. And I don't know why I was about to just dive into things. I'm Blake. Yeah, I'm Jason, and again, we're still invalid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still invalid, um, like I've felt my entire life. And this is part two of our Katika discussion. Katika. Uh, Katika. 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 We're like I said on the previous episode, we're kind of switching things up a little bit with the format. So this is the spoilerful behind the scenes discussion, talking about all of our thoughts and feelings about this movie. If uh, you kind of want more of a primer to know whether this movie is for you or not, I would highly recommend going and checking the episode from last week out. Yeah. So. Well, with that said, let's just dive into it and start in front of the camera, talk about our favorite moments, uh, just about the movie in general. Yeah, I have a question for you. When did you first realize that, uh, like, I don't know if the question doesn't make full sense, Gattaca, like G-A-T-A, like the spelling of it, uh-huh. it, when did you first realize that those were like the DNA proteins the four proteins because i realized that like fairly quick i was like oh i get it now where the name gattaca mm. came from i i had kind of read about it before so i can't ah, say that i okay. like discovered it myself yeah because uh like on one of the computer screens it had like his name and then like blue text was going across and right. i was like oh that's like a gene sequence <laughs> so it's just like the four um letters that like gattaca could be a part of anyone's dna yeah, it's kind of a cool opener to the film, eh? Yeah, yeah, I like um, that. Like, the fact that it's, uh, in the end, like, it's just actually, like, a really zoomed-in, like, appearance of, of him kind of prepping mm. for the day and becoming uh, Jerome Morrow. Yeah, yeah, and, like, I was trying to figure out, like, why is he scrubbing himself so much and stuff? Yeah. yeah. And then, like, he gets... And, and you kind this. of you kind of realize it over time as well, right? You're like, God damn, like, he does this every single day. Like, yeah, his entire yeah. house is designed to prepare to become Jerome Morrow. Yeah, which is, like, that transformation is huge in the movie. Like, it shouldn't be possible. Yeah. Um, especially because of the way society views invalids. Right. And uh, what were, do you remember some of the other names for invalids? There's uh, um, uh, bor- Borrowed Ladders. Yeah, borrowed ladders. Oh, was it when you steal someone's identity, you you're yes. borrowing their ladder. Yeah, which again is like the double helix ladder. Two of, meanings. Yeah, climbing a like corporate like ladder, DNA almost ladder kind of thing. or yeah. corporate ladder. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about some of the name conventions right yeah, now? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So yeah, I already went into Gattaca, where yeah. that name came from, and then uh, Vincent uh, Freeman, his original name is uh obviously freeman is pretty obvious he he's like he's working to prove that like a free man can be just as good as these like genetically edited perfect people right and then vincent means he shall conquer or like he's going to win whatever Mm -hmm. so uh i love when names like have to do with that right and then jerome moro so jerome sounds like genome basically yeah yeah so like that's where that's kind of connected and I'm not sure where else, but then, uh, Moro it's like for tomorrow, like the, the whole point is like, they're trying to work for mm. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, um, and like he, it's, he only lives his life like for tomorrow. Basically he's not, he doesn't want anything but to get drunk like tonight and maybe tomorrow. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Something like that. <laughs> Wasn't the best description there. 
the other ones were like just kind of small. Like uh, Joseph was the uh, who was he? Oh, that's the director. Oh yeah, the director who's like running everything. Yeah, yeah. Is spelled the same way as Joseph Mendel or Mendel. Yeah. From uh, World War Two, who was like uh, the Nazi you like medical oh, experiment guy. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, but it also uh, well, yeah. Okay, and then Eugene, obviously. So that's uh, what Jerome, the like Jude Law's character, um, he like changes his name to that. It's his middle name, yeah. so that they could differentiate each other a little bit better. Yeah, and uh, that's just from eugenics, the program to improve humans by selective breeding. Yeah, which is very like rooted in racism and things like that. And that's basically what's happening. It's like so such hardcore classism, though. Yeah, and and the movie kind of. Uh... Like, like you could you could almost frame it like a classism kind of movie too, right? Like if if you insert that over the sci-fi element to it, you'd have basically the exact same movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like that is kind of what he's fighting. Like classism yeah. is. We should have mentioned that in the themes. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Oh well. <laughs> I have I have one question for you uh, that I was thinking about from the question that you asked me before. When did you realize that the detective was Vincent's brother? A little late. I, I, I wrote it down, actually, like, as things were building with the detective. Uh-huh. I was like, it can't be. And, mm. like, it, it wasn't super obvious just by how he looked or anything, because it is, like, a few years later. Right. We only saw and they, they did a good he... job of, like, slightly altering everybody's appearances, right? Yeah, yeah. That's another theme, like, brotherhood. Right. Oh, we, yeah. Because there's brotherhood between the brothers and, like, how they fight in between each other mm-hmm. and, like, the competitive nature of brothers and humanity, sort of. Mm-hmm. And then there's also, like, the good version of brotherhood where um, uh, Jerome and Vincent actually, like, basically become brothers. Right. And the same person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Jess actually figured it out before I did and probably, like, two or three scenes uh after the detective's been introduced i would say like she, she found yeah. it figured it out pretty quick yeah like it was i only guessed i guessed it before he was like because before it became yeah. oh, real obvious it was it was when they were um in the club and the detective showed up and the like police guy hmm. they show up and break up the party after and uh Irene, yeah, they they're running away, and the detective, his brothers, like Vincent. Right. That's when I got it. Talking about early on in the movie, a quote that I I point I picked out just because of it's maybe it's kind of relevance to current movies. There's a point where Irene walks up to Vincent while Vincent's watching the flights or the spaceships yeah. leaving, yeah. and she goes, how many launches are there each day, Vincent? A dozen? And he goes, sometimes more. And she says, you're the only one who watches all of them. If you're going to pretend like you don't care, don't look up. And mm. I was like, damn, don't look yeah. up. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. It was cool. And I, I try to look and see if there's any like connection to the movies. Not really. Not really, um, yeah. I wonder if Adam McKay uh, is a big fan of this one or not. Probably. Yeah, uh, it was just cool to hear that line in this movie because it kind of fits like a... A similar kind of vibe of, of of what the don't look up means in in the other film. Yeah. My my favorite aspect of this movie is that I want to talk about was the relationship between Vincent and Jerome's because they they really do become brothers, like you said, mm. and the fact that they share identities. I don't I just I really appreciated that part of the movie. Yeah, yeah, like going from the beginning where they're just like throwing snipes back at each other kind right. of and um like 
they're they're not trusting each other yet either because this is such a big undertaking in this world to become another person and pass it off as being the elite mm-hmm. in like Gattaca itself is elite within the society right and so passing that off and doing everything it takes and so Vincent's character being like too short and him having to break his legs yeah, I was, as yeah. soon as they start talking about like height I was like damn they're gonna break his legs yeah yeah that's um, what I was thinking and like yeah because he's like I could just wear lifts and he's like that won't be enough and it, yeah he has to he has to go through such a radical transformation that is also mirroring the accident that happened to right yeah that's a good point Jerome yeah because yeah uh, and what I uh, what I really like about this kind of going off of this note is the level of passion that Vincent has throughout the movie. Like it's yes. unwavering passion, and he kind of he's kind of like uh, lifts everybody else up with mm. his passion. And that's partially also just like a credit to Ethan Hawke as well for just the way he portrays the character. Like I think like this is borderline an Oscar worthy performance in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, like that that's where i could see the um connection to those other movies that you say are very similar uh-huh. because his character is just so passionate and like he just pushes those boundaries yeah and and like when we meet jerome originally he is like he's ready for death essentially yeah. right like he already tried to commit suicide yeah exactly and now he's like he failed at that yeah. too which hurt him so much more right and so the fact that by the end he like he literally thanks Vincent for letting him sh- like he's like I sh- I shared my identity and you shared your dream. Yeah, yeah, and he's like I I got the better end of the deal out of this because of yeah. what you did for me. Yeah. Yeah, it, there's so many great quotes in this movie like this movie is borderline poetic in some of the dialogue. Yeah, and I'm going to ruin that with my favorite quote which, <laughs> which is just it's not like the full quote but uh-huh. is uh when Ethan Hawke's character has to uh, pee into a cup at the very beginning, mm. and uh, Lamar, the doctor, is like, you've got an exceptional tool. <laughs> yeah. and he's like, I don't know why my folks didn't pick one that would like that for me. I- and that is what I think like had so much... It's funny because like he's... They could have picked any dick size for him. <laughs> But um, like for any of the regular people, yeah. But because he was born naturally, he just has a big dong. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that one. Um, I really like though on that note as well how they actually kind of hinted at the doctor's son yes. being. Uh, like less than perfect as well at that point um and, it, and that's part of like like again there's so many gut punch moments in this movie and that moment at the end where that him and the doctor share together and and he fo- like finally explains to him like you know like like my son is like you and you give me hope that my son can rise above what yeah it's expected of him yeah it's very um like He's not saying it outright, yeah. but yeah, the implication is there. So that's where my, uh, I have a theory that he actually used, like, I thought he was, Lamar, the doctor, stole his DNA to because he actually respected, like, the real Vincent so much that he created a son out of him. Oh, <laughs> So, like, that's that's my crazy, like, That's wild. That's why, a theory and a half. Yeah, like, why else would he say, like, why else would he say, like, my son is a fan of yours other than the because fact that he's just has a natural-born son and he's trying to pass it off? No, his and his son was actually born with eugenics, but, like, for whatever reason, it didn't quite work. And so we he know had that? some defects. Yeah. 
Yeah. Huh. Um, he explains it at one point. He explains it at the end, I believe. No, um, he doesn't say much. Yeah, he, he says enough, though, to imply that. And so that's kind of what you gather at the end is because he's known the whole time because yeah. he's been kind of propping his son up and giving his son hope through, like, the life of... Yeah, of- like, he sees... His, he sees... Uh, like so much respectable stuff coming from this version of Jerome that yeah. he's like, my son can do that too then. Yeah. No, yeah. Because you also see that with how he interacts with Irene hmm. and is like, you can like, you can push through this heart defect. Mm-hmm. You're, you're letting it get to your head because you've been told that that is such a important flaw of yours. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's a movie that's it's because of, Vincent's unwavering hope and dreams and the fact that he raises everyone up like it's a movie that if I was in a maybe a dark place myself like I would really feel good coming out of this one like yeah. like it's just that unwavering passion that that just it's it's really beautiful seeing it's really beautiful seeing all those like person to person moments together because yeah, those movies, interactions make yeah. like everything like that's what saves him yeah. Is those interactions really. Exactly. And that's what I love about actually the final quote of the film. For someone who is never who is never meant for this world, I must confess, I'm suddenly having a hard time leaving it. Of course, they say every atom in our bodies was once part of a star. Maybe I'm not leaving. Maybe I'm going home. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, that quote really hit me hard, actually, for some reason. And I think part of it I was just thinking about this uh, before we started recording is... Personally, like I'm fascinated by space. Like I love every aspect of space. I, I love the idea of of that great beyond out there. I've watched all of Cosmos. I've watched like I've I've taken courses in university on space. Like mm-hmm. I really I really really love it. And I know that I'm never going to go to space. Yeah. And so well, there's there's yeah, something yeah. about that quote that I find really comforting. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't know who originated the concept that we are stardust or whatever. Like we are made like the same matter that comes from us is in the stars and right. vice versa. But like, yeah, that remind that, that made me think of Carl Sagan mm-hmm. and like the original, um, Carl Sagan. Oh, Cosmos. Cosmos. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta ask you though, cause the movie, it ends on that high note, but at the same time, there's a bit of a bittersweetness to it. Right. Because yeah. Jerome does kill himself at the end. And I was pretty gutted about that. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think the meaning is behind it? Like, it feels like this movie just has, has so much meaning and has so much, there's so much purpose and everything yeah. in it. Like, did you, did you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. Like it kind of sucked. Like the initial thing is like, like, Oh, why is Like, I thought he like had a reason to live now and everything. Yeah. And like, he got through that dark period, mm-hmm. but I think it's more of like the same concept of like that last quote where it's um like before he accepted death mm-hmm. but for shitty reasons right. and now he's embracing death on his own terms like with like full satisfaction of his life and like mm-hmm. an understanding of the society and world he lives in and everything like he became a complete person and he's like well i'm done yeah like, <laughs> like maybe he went out with some dignity like yeah yeah like so much dignity i think mm-hmm. like he made some real human to human connections that he probably never would have as right. a like peak human in this society yeah like it would be pure competition and um like drive to succeed like that's everybody's pre-programmed to just go for that Mm -hmm. you don't see too many like real genuine connections besides that 
yeah that that makes a lot of sense like i i really struggled with it because i was pretty upset about it and i i i couldn't see why he had to die but i th- i think you're right I, I like that that idea yeah like that's i think it's pretty accurate what i want to say is uh the the aesthetic of the film is really cool and part of what's so great about it is all the awesome cars oh um, yeah yeah like this is borderline like a classic car movie there's some there's some real cool stuff there i don't know if you have any of them written down uh, i do specifically. have uh like two pulled up vincent mm-hmm. his car is a six 1963 studebacher avanti mm. which is just like a crazy awesome luxury um i think german car and uh the rest of the cars that like the majority that you really see are the cop cars and so they're actually kind of um they were really popular with the police force in britain they were like they're high speed interceptors they're rover p6s or sometimes called the rover 2000 so from like 1963 to 1976 so it's just like a classic british like yeah, they they picked like the coolest cars from the past and just kept that as the standard. I yeah. love that because it's and that kind of makes you think too like when did they come up with this gen- genetic editing? Like those ideas were around back oh, then. Yeah. So like they might have just started this gene editing and nothing else in society really progressed because um, they lost like a human element or something. Yeah, and and that's maybe also like like almost like a cold war-esque era to it like uh like we never advanced because we were so focused on beating the other guy at the war aspect like it, again it's similar to the fallout series in, mm. in that like the culture never really altered much uh, yeah, yeah. from from that 60s era that 50s 60s era yeah the other two- i have two other cars but- yeah yeah i was gonna mention them but go ahead yeah uh well you can the uh the Rover P6 and the Citroen DS9. The Citroen DS Cabriolet, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, uh Uma Thurman's character Irene. Citroen made some like great cars back then. Mm. So that's pretty cool that they got that in there. And uh there was also a 1956 Ford Continental Mark II coupe mm. which is super expensive even when it was first created so the fact they got one in for the movie is pretty pretty awesome my dad had a lincoln continental for a few years oh yeah from uh my great uncle and it was a boat like oh, things yeah. it was huge yeah huge like a presidential boat or a boat presidential car <laughs> let's move into effects and filming what do you want to start with i was going to start with the lighting yeah, let's go on the lighting. That's a great. That's a great yeah, starting point because that brings in some other like character to the movie. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, so they used uh, yellow, green, and blue mm-hmm. lighting for different sections and like different feelings within the movie. Did it remind you of another movie, another sci-fi movie? Because there's one that I I was instantly thought about when I was looking at the different color hues. It did, but no. Oh, uh, Cube. Oh, okay. For one, for me, it was the Matrix. The Matrix, yeah, yeah. yeah, Those greens of the the Matrix and then kind of the blues when we're out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of those, which are almost around the same time, anyways, but like similar concepts. So, yeah, the use of lighting is so important, especially in a piece like this. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it was shot on uh, Super Thirty Five. Uh, millimeter mm. is really cool yeah that that's probably what makes it feel so like it f- makes it feel old school but also like timeless yeah 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 it's it's a really cool old 
Hollywood technique that not a yeah. lot of directors use anymore. It's like that, like everybody's gone digital other than like yeah. a few of the, uh, the kind of high level contemporary, artistic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like Quentin Tarantino, I think Christopher Nolan, Nolan doesn't yeah. use, uh, oh, digital either. But yeah, I, I really, I noticed it too and really appreciated that. And um, did you like, did you see where, like which scenes are using which colors? No, go ahead. Explain. Like, it starts out when he's young, like any scenes where he's young, it's yellow. Hmm. And then oh, I forget the other two. <laughs> well, the green is like when they're at school, right? Is kind of where I noticed it. Or I, I really thought it was distinct, the green, um, when him and Irene park the car and go to see the solar panels. Oh, yeah. Um, there was a really green aspect to that. The blue. I think the green is also when, whenever him and his brother are um, doing the chicken game swimming. Mm-hmm. Yep. The blue is anytime he's like pretending to be a superhuman because he's not being like real, mm-hmm. he's being a, a facade. Mm-hmm. And then anytime where he's having real interactions, where like his he's supposed to be Jerome, but some of his own character comes through or when it's green. So like, that's why when him and Irene go like share a moment and see the solar panels, Uh that's why it's green there because like, it's a blending of the two. Yeah. I like that idea. The blending of the two. I was just thinking yellow plus blue equals green. Yeah. So, um, and I know my basic colors. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) And, um, also just that scene was great for like that was where the intensity of everything that he's trying to hide and like that's where i felt it the most was when he was having to dart across the highway with his contact lenses out right i was like i figured she would find out eventually anyways but i didn't know which way the rest of the movie was going to go because she could have turned on him or something yeah but um well and she could have even been the murderer at one point i was suspecting her as the murderer yeah so him darting across the highway without his contact lenses in is we see now how like that's an important scene because we see how deteriorated he is compared to these peak peak humans right and we didn't know how bad he was because we knew he had like some kind of heart issue or a potential for a heart issue. Mm-hmm. We don't know if he actually has any like life-threatening heart issues. Right. By the end, we don't know. We're just assuming based on the statistics that yeah, are he shown was in the movie. Geni- like, yeah, he was predisposed to have some sort of heart condition. It doesn't mean his heart was necessarily going to explode. Yeah, he had like a percent chance. And normally yeah. they would write that out of someone's genetic code. So, right. Yeah. So that's like where we see like how vulnerable he really is and how how awesome he's doing at hiding it. Hmm. Um, second time we see that is when he's on the treadmill and he is acting as Jerome. Yeah, he is killing it at acting because he had to run a full marathon hmm. in twenty minutes and not break a sweat, and he had to keep his heart rate perfect, which he did by just recording uh, the real Jerome's heart rate. That's where. He like rushes away after his heart starts going crazy. But like that's any regular human who ran like he literally did run a twenty minute full marathon. Yeah. Nobody should be able to do that. Like I don't know. 
And that kind of goes back to a quote that I, I was going to mention earlier, and I forgot that quote when him and his brother Anton get out into the water, yes. and, he, and he says, "You want to know how I did it? This is how I did it, Anton. I never saved anything for the swim back." Yes. And and that just goes again to like the amount of passion that Vincent has. Like he saves nothing. He puts yeah. everything out and there like, all the time. That's the only thing that he could like. That's how he figured out that he was gonna do it. Yeah. Is that realization with his brother because his brother was just con- like consistently beating him at everything. Yeah. He and that's and that's kind of actually something that's like a contrast as well is because Vincent's not perfect and he has all of this passion. He's almost more human than yeah. the than the superhumans who who don't have the same level they don't of passion. Have the like reason none of them. to have that drive. Yeah, like the struggle is what makes the like someone capable of greatness. Yeah, when everyone's great, no one is. <laughs> nice. The the way he says that too, like that comes up multiple times where he never he like he didn't save anything mm-hmm. or hold like save anything for the return trip because he is going on a one year or year and a half, whatever one year trip to Saturn. Yeah. Which is like, we don't know if he's going to die on that trip or not. Yeah. And he, he doesn't, doesn't know. Either, yeah. But he had to do it. Yeah. The film uses the three basic colors to denote what the author refers to as the character's identity. Yellow to illustrate Vincent's past, blue to depict his future and green to bridge the two. Ah, I like it. Yeah. I like it. The ID photo of Jerome. Did at any point you think, damn, like they made Ethan Hawke and Jude Law actually look really similar? Yeah, yeah, they did. And the reason why you might think that is because they actually, the ID photo of Jerome, they actually digitally morphed the two actors together. Oh, So no that's way. why it looks so damn close to both of them. Yeah, yeah. Because if you put both of them side by side, I'm like, ah, eh, there's maybe a little bit of resemblance. But every time that picture came up, I was like, damn, they picked such good actors to play uh, each other kind of thing. Yeah, to see each other's identity. yeah, like thinking about it and like looking at them separately, they don't actually look that similar, but the, like they did a lot to make them like similar enough yeah. throughout the movie and obviously in that. Um, and funny enough, this movie has a connection to another 90s film for that reason. The 1999 film, The Talented Mr. Ripley. Mm. Um, so Matt Damon also uses Jude Law's ID successfully <laughs> in the uh, movie without getting caught. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's funny. I've never seen that one, actually. Me either. Um, I've heard about it. It's on a list I have somewhere, but yeah. Yeah, we'll do it on this podcast at some point, I'm sure. Yeah. All right, let's move into score really quickly. I don't have too much to talk about with score. It's it's honestly like a, a really beautiful like background score yeah. that sets the tone of the film really well. Yeah, I think it was like masterful without standing out too much. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly where it lands. Like it's not something that I'm going to listen to on like just out in general, like when yeah. I'm working or whatever, but it fit the film extraordinarily well and it's to get the feeling that this movie is trying to pull from you, you have to give a lot of credit, I think, to the background score here. Mm. And it, it's it's tricky because it's it's really tricky to make this not feel ham-fisted, I guess, mm. and, and trying to get this this feeling of hope and 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 the, the the thriller aspect of it even and even just like the maybe the general sadness, like the low-key sadness yeah. that's hanging there. Like all of these different feelings are it it just it really pops with that score. Mm-hmm. Overall, like solid score. Yeah, 
I, I don't have too much to add with that one. Uh, let's talk Legacy really quick. The time the movie came out, it was a bit of a box office bomb, even though it had like a lot of critical praise. It's uh, it's a film that you know has always been very high critically. Yeah. Um, it's just because it's kind of like an artsy movie, so it would have been hard to to sell this one to people. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a movie that over time I think develops a a, a pretty big cult following and has developed a cult following. It's also the movie where Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman met and uh, started dating. Yes. Yeah, I read that too. So, uh, yeah, you uh, Stranger Things fans out there, we wouldn't have Maya Hawke if we didn't have Gattaca. Exactly. So you're uh, welcome <laughs> for Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. Just M- say that. Maybe they also test tube babied her. Because <laughs> they completely missed the message of the movie that they were in. <laughs> <laughs> Two perfect humans making another perfect human. Yeah, yeah. This was actually voted by NASA scientists as the most accurate sci-fi ever made. Really? Which is really cool. No, I could see that. Because it's uh, one, like... One, they don't go too crazy yeah, with it. Exactly. That's where, like, that's where the near future idea is, and, like, it is completely within the realm of possibility right. for humans to just do this, and also with that um like with the genetic engineering hmm. and having like so many people that could be just born to be um like physicists and uh like astronauts he was a navigator like we could have the perfect amount of people to make it to like the stars easily hmm. so yeah i could see that that's awesome sequels prequels and reboots so there's not really an actual sequel, prequel, or reboot to this, but like we talked about on the last episode, this is the same director who did In Time, and he said that essentially that's the bastard child of this movie. So you could probably watch, like you've seen both. I haven't seen yeah. both. Would you watch Gattaca and then watch In Time? Do you think? Yeah, yeah. Either way would really be good because the feelings are a bit different, huh? different and similar. Like like where this one lacks action and like adventure. A little bit. Right. And is more about the human experience. That one is, they're like equal on the spectrum, like on mm-hmm. equal sides where it's like not too crazy. Who did it better, Ethan Hawke or uh, Justin Timberlake? Ethan Hawke. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you even gave that a second. No, I didn't. Me. I didn't. <laughs> Our personal reviews and the partner factor. Uh, so Jess and I both really, really like this movie. My favorite aspects are the relationship between Jerome and Vincent, the style, the aesthetic of the film, just rocks. Uh, love the the tone of the movie, the cars, like just everything about that aspect of the film really killed it for me. I think it's objectively like just a really, really good movie. Mm-hmm. And it's probably going to connect with a lot of people. Like the, the, the themes of the movie are just pretty, pretty appealing. And I think it could be in conversation for one of the greatest sci-fis of all time. Like if you look at the greatest movie on IMDb, the top the top number one movie is Shawshank Redemption, and this has very similar feeling to that. Like that feeling of hope and and passion um, yeah. is there. And so I think it could be in that that argument, just because even though it's a sci-fi movie, it's really about the human condition. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't make my top twenty. And that's what I was going to ask you is if this is a notable movie for you. So I'll, I'll leave it to you. Give me yours and it, your review. So yeah, my, uh, my review again, like, I don't know how high up I would put it, but it's definitely on a list of like the top 50, maybe like 30 in sci-fi. Hmm. I don't know if it reaches top 10. 
it's maybe top 20 uh-huh. but yeah overall uh like the realism and the um like intensity of like exploring human nature right definitely make it one of like they make it high on the list i was kind of thinking about this uh before we did this episode, I was looking into sci-fi movies a little bit. I just wanted to watch a sci-fi maybe a month ago. And so I was looking at like greatest sci-fi films of all time lists, top 50s. And on, I think, every single list, I had seen like 19 of the 20 greatest sci-fis of all time, which I was kind of chuckling to myself like, damn, like I've seen them all basically. Like, yeah, yeah. I know the best stuff out there for yeah. sci-fi, so... Yeah, and, and like since it, there's less of it, it's easier to watch like yeah. more of the percentage or whatever. And because it, we are drawn to it a little bit more. I liked like the relationship between him and his brother. Like uh, that's like without that, the there would be like a missing element to why he was st- like how he became so driven. Like if it was just society, I think it would beat him down. But having that like direct. Like growing up, like day to day, directly beside a superhuman, mm-hmm. would be just it would either defeat you or give you so much like a brother relationship or sibling overall, where there's some competition. Yeah, I think that like added so much to his character. Well, and it's not only that too, but it's how that his his parents even like respond to the two different yeah. brothers and, yeah. and how they're they're different and yeah like it was like they almost regretted having yeah. him natural born even though they were like so for it in the beginning mm-hmm. that like kind of gut punch when you realize the meaning behind him changing vincent's name at the last minute when he's born is like oof yeah like, yeah like right off the bat like he's just he's somewhat writing off his son yeah yeah and yeah, and the fact that, he, like, nobody knows anything more about the family. Well, I guess we find out, like, his parents died. Yeah. But besides that, like, there was no other interaction that we saw between him and his parents. It was just him and his brother. Right. Part- Another movie I thought about, actually, mm-hmm. it's more lighthearted than this, but it's it's kind of, again, it's a bit of a sci-fi. It's a little bit about unwavering passion is the 2012 film Safety Not Guaranteed, which is on Prime. It stars Aubrey Plaza and Mark Duplass. Um, and it's basically the premise of the movie is the joke advertisement that wanted someone to go back in time with. Mm. I've got a time machine. You just need to bring yourself. Safety, I've done this once before. Safety Not Guaranteed. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a really, really fun film. Jess and I both really loved it. It's kind of a little bit like smaller budget like this. It's a little bit more artsy kind of movie, mm. but Aubrey Plaza is one of our favorites. Uh, we just watched Emily the Criminal, which you and I yeah, were both talking yeah. about before this. Um, so I'm, I'm always there for Aubrey Plaza. Um, yeah. So if, if if you're also there for her you could go check that one out on prime it's a pretty cool movie oh i wanted to go into like i didn't find any but the scenes for like the the restaurant like that restaurant they go to and it's like basically in a cathedral where they see the 12 fingered pianist oh yeah like, right that was a crazy scene like all this all the settings for this movie were perfect the 12 finger pianist you know what i thought of as soon as i thought i saw that what I saw I saw uh six six fingered man. I was like Princess Bride. Yeah, Princess Bride yeah, instantly yeah. said that out loud. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. 
So upcoming, we're doing my choice, which we're doing the movie Train Spotting. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, and neither you nor Mike have seen it. Um, so I'm I'm really excited, honestly, just to kind of share one of my passions with you guys. It's like honestly, like I said, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's got some really memorable scenes, some really great quotes, and great actors, and great actors, and it's just hilarious. <laughs> um, and some really heartbreaking moments too. Yeah. So it's got everything. Yeah. Lots of heroin. Yeah, lots of heroin. <laughs> And every other drug you can possibly imagine. It's probably the greatest uh, anti-drug PSA movie. I've heard made. that. Yeah, except for maybe uh, Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, way more rewatchable than that, though. But mm. we'll discuss that on that episode. Awesome. Be excited for that. And uh, also let us know what you thought about the new format. Yeah, I hope it was easy to like if you are used to our regular um, standard podcast that, where you could just listen to all of it. I hope yep. it's just easy to continue and then it sounds like the same or if you want to stop you just listen to the first bit yeah exactly um or even you know like this gives you a chance to watch the movie uh, yeah yeah before we dive That's into the I background mean. so yeah, yeah. yeah have a good one yeah we'll see you see next you. time all right